0: User testing, time of crisis, interesting place, $100 million just raised. Andy, congratulations there. But not only that, just on raising, they're also driving real revenue growth. In fact, they're growing more year over year than they were on smaller numbers. So call it 60, 70 million bucks in ARR, call it 18-ish months ago, now breaking past 80, 85-ish million in ARR, hoping to pass that $100 million mark on the next call it two to three quarters. We'll see what happens there. Again, serving, this is great, serving over 3,500 customers who are now doing you know potentially way more digitally in a time where you can't meet face-to-face. Economics look super 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 healthy, right? 14% gross revenue churn annually, more than that in terms of expansion, so greater than 100% net revenue retention as they to to continue to scale their team of 500 folks, 80 engineers, 55 sales reps. Hello, everyone. My guest today is Andy McMillian. He brings 20 years of enterprise SaaS experience to usertesting.com. As a former, former product executive at Oracle and Salesforce, he saw the critical role that customer centricity plays in creating great experiences. Andy, you ready to take us to the top? Absolutely. All right. So, so we're in kind of unprecedented times, obviously, with this kind of virus crisis. User testing is in an interesting spot because, well, many people would, would, would wonder, does this hurt or help you in terms of what you provide online? So give people the quick kind of product overview. And then, you know, what are you thinking about literally in this moment right now? Markets crashing, what's going to happen?
1: Yeah, it, it's an interesting uh, way to think about it, I guess. We, um, we are a product that helps people understand and view the experience often of their digital products. So if you want to kind of virtually look over the shoulder of your user and understand what's it like to do mobile banking or to use your mobile ordering app or to do whatever that might be, that's what our customers use our platform to do. This has been an interesting moment in time for us. Like most folks, we've moved to kind of a work from home remote stance for our employees But a lot of our customers are now reaching out to us and saying, hey, uh, one, we're standing up more and more digital channels to help people who are maybe in a shelter in place or whatever it might be that they're dealing with. It's also interesting from a product and marketing messaging perspective. I I actually believe most people and most brands are trying to be empathetic and do the right thing and reach out to their customers and help. But even that is a hard tone to get just right, where you don't want to seem opportunistic like you're taking advantage of a pandemic to push your product. At the same time, you might be sitting there thinking our product could be really helpful to people in this moment. And just like our company, we're going through that. We're reaching out to healthcare systems and everyone else and saying, hey, can we help you make your messaging clear and and kind of help with the emergency? Um, People trying to strike that balance. And so we're seeing a lot of customers use our platform to test their messaging and test their content and really understand. Uh, how it's received by their end customer.
0: And just so I want to get more about kind of how you're handling this from your own perspective as well. Will churn spikes happen? How do you change your burn plans? What are your, you know, investor calls sound like over the past three days? We'll talk about that in a second, but give people a benchmark context here. So uh, how many customers are you now serving today? And and is it all pure play SaaS?
1: So it is all pure play SaaS. Uh, We started the company years ago. I was, I joined two and a half years, two years ago now. Um, but the company started 12 years ago. It was originally a pay-as-you-go business where you could pay to get a single video. For the past five years, it's been entirely a subscription-based SaaS platform. Uh, about 35,000 people have ever tried the product or used it as a pay-as-you-go model. Uh, we have about 3,500 SaaS customers that are paying us on an annual subscription
0: basis. 10% conversion is not bad, Andy. It looks pretty good.
1: Yeah, it's a, it's a great business. Um, I'm very proud to be a part of it.
0: Uh, 3,500. And then help me understand kind of pricing. Last time you told me average, you know, the company's going to pay you two, two grand a month based off how many tests they're running with you. Is that still about accurate? It is
1: for kind of an SMB customer. And then we scale way up. I mean, we're doing, um, you know, supporting massive research teams and design teams at some of the largest tech companies in the world that might be spending, you know, over a million dollars
0: a year with us. Okay. And have you changed anything about your, your cap table structure or still about $74 million raised?
1: Uh, We actually just raised a round. So uh, we're doing this interview. We're recording it. We're going to do a press release uh, in in two days. Uh, But we just raised uh, $100 million from uh, Insight Partners um, and have yet to announce that publicly, but pretty excited to have raised that.
0: Yeah, well, we'll, and it sounds like we'll probably release these around the the same time there. Give me timing on that. Uh, Was the money wired uh, and the deal done prior to you know the wuhan news and the spread of coronavirus being you know mainstream news
1: yeah we closed i want to say three weeks ago four weeks ago so really before it hit the u.s i mean it's just been kind of an interesting it feels like a fast evolving story but if you go back i mean it was december when we were first starting to hear about the challenges in in some parts of the world but um yeah we closed the round of funding before there was really a significant U S impact to the yep. or even really the impact of the global supply chain that we saw happen.
0: Yep. And then this is obviously going to be rapidly changing as you figure out how the best way to use. I mean, you're in a very fortunate position to be on this kind of cash heap. Now you can really do some serious damage with it, especially if you look at, you know, everyone, everything else is being cheap right now. What's your team size today though? How many people? Uh, we're about 500 people. And how many engineers?
1: Uh, probably 80 out of that.
0: Okay. And any quota carrying reps?
1: Yes, we have a SMB mid-market enterprise and global account teams that support that.
0: How many total people carry reps or carry quota?
1: Uh, I think we're at 55 right now.
0: Oh wow! Okay, fairly significant. That's good. Um, okay, so with those with those kinds of uh, benchmarks, um, and again, I mean, look. By the way, from a growth perspective, that sounds pretty healthy, right? So if you've got 3,500 paying customers at you know still around that $2,000 ARPU, I mean that puts you at about seven seven million a month. You were at five, at least five point five million a month. About oh, what is that? 19 month, 18 months prior when you last came on. Does that sound about right?
1: Yeah, we're, we're growing pretty rapidly. Um, the business uh, last time we spoke about 18, 19 months ago was, was growing about 25% a year, um, okay. very healthy business. Um, we've really seen it pick up. I think in many ways, uh, we're riding this wave of people being focused on customer experience and understanding their customers and building customer empathy. So uh, we're gonna cross 100 million in ARR probably mid this year, yep. uh, growing about 40%. So we're actually speeding up as we get larger.
0: Yeah, Andy, the, look, so, so again, I'm not a guy to, you know, give softballs or a lot of compliments to founders, you know, it's, you know I see a lot, so it's hard to be impressed, but you, you rarely see a situation where someone goes from, call it 40, 50 million in 2017 to 65, 70 million in 2018, so call it 25, 30% growth, and then actually see growth pick up with on a larger base, because it's much harder yeah. with a larger base. Yeah, yeah. What, dr- what drove your ability to do that?
1: I think it's a couple things. I mean, well, there is a market dynamic uh, that's supporting us. I mean, product market fit goes a long way when you're trying to grow. And we are seeing a dynamic where um, two things are really happening. One, our core audience was originally these folks called UX researchers, people that are part of a product team. that are kind of understanding the usability of the product, understanding the flows and things like that. Um, that is is growing. So companies are investing in our core audience of buyers and they're therefore buying more of our product. We're also seeing this trend where outside of that core, you know, buying group that we originally had, other teams are realizing the value of our product. They're saying, boy, we should watch and see what it's like for people to use our product. They want to build that empathy and customer intuition. So we're seeing product teams, design teams, marketing teams, um, getting on the product, um, running their own tests, understanding their customers more closely, more deeply, and really scaling. So where our largest customer a couple of years ago might have had you know, 20 or 30 seats. I mean, we have a customer right now we're working with that's looking at doing, you know, over 10,000 seats with us because they want to see everyone in the company who builds or markets or designs the product, be able to have that direct interaction and see people using the product. And so I think Mm -hmm. those two things combined have really created kind of a perfect storm for growth for us.
0: You touched a little bit about your ability to drive expansion revenue on a per seat basis. I want to loop back that here in a second. What's gross revenue churn like look like over the past 12 months?
1: Uh, we've actually seen improvements on uh, gross revenue churn as well. Uh, we're at about 86% right now retention. So call it 24, okay. uh, sorry, 14% uh, gross churn. Yep. Um, and again, we sell in all segments. So you see, you know, higher numbers
0: in the SMB segment. But that's a weighted, kind of that's about. a weighted average across all, because it's revenue dollar churn, based. right? Yep. Yeah, dollar sure. based. When you, okay, so then add back expansion revenue, dollar base, how much?
1: A little over 100%, but we're starting to see that really tick up as these no more seats are deployed.
0: Uh, that's net that's like over- net or just net. the expansion piece that's net okay got it so you are churning 14 percent on a dollar basis you're adding call it 14 fifteen percent gets you above a hundred percent and you're seeing that expand
1: yep. yeah and both of those are picking up
0: okay well hopefully just the expansion you know and churn picking up you know
1: no the net I mean the gross and the net are both going
0: they're both getting better yeah
1: yeah, that's
0: right, that's right. <laughs> what what is what is driving well first off uh, what rollout user testing is responsible for the upsell right to yeah get better expansion numbers, and what's driving their ability to close more upsell revenue?
1: Yeah, this is one of the things I have a little bit of religion on and sometimes end up in debates on uh, different kind of SaaS stages with folks about. um, I have a chief customer officer who reports directly to me, and they are solely responsible for making sure the customers are successful. Um, They don't sell them anything. They don't upsell them anything. They are just get in there and make sure that every dollar a customer spends with us, they're getting incredible value from. Uh, Then I have my sales team and their job is to manage the contracts and growth and expansion and everything like that. So I pay the sales team for net new logos. I pay them for growth. I pay them for upsell. I pay them for cross sell. And I have my customer success team solely focused on gross dollar retention uh, as a metric, but mostly focused on just CSAT, customer success, adoption. Um, I view gross dollar retention as really an outcome metric from Mm -hmm. doing those things right.
0: Okay, uh, this is really valuable benchmarks here. Going back to the current situation, you now have again. Let's say you know you have a hundred million dollars cash in the bank. Y- you you look at what's currently happening in a couple different ways. And I'll be evil here, right? So people can throw throw tomatoes at me instead of you. You can look at this and say, "Wow, I've been waiting for this moment. It's been a bull market for the past eleven years. Everything's been overpriced. Uh, everything's cheap now, right? Uh, yep. I should go invest aggressively." again, I'm taking off my emotional, empathetic hat where there's people dying, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, the other side of this is, you know, we I actually don't know when it's going to end, so I'm going to hold on to as much money as possible to make sure that user testing is good on burn for the next three years if we add no new customers. Right. Which path are you taking?
1: We're definitely leaning into growth, uh, mostly because what we're seeing is our customers saying to us in this time this is we need this help right we need to use your product to talk to customers we need to understand their their preferences and how they want to be communicated with um, and so you know us building out our field capacity and, and kind of leaning into that I think only makes sense for us in the market and it's probably the healthiest thing to do for the company so we're going to continue to grow uh, we are seeing a lot of interest in international expansion as well uh, we opened our first office overseas uh, last April so what uh, now, 11 months ago, mm-hmm. uh, hired our first employee. We're already at uh, 42 people in Edinburgh, Scotland. Wow. Um, that's growing like crazy, makes up more than 10% of our revenue now internationally. Oh, wow. uh, we're can, we'll be looking to acquire internationally as well. Uh, one of the announcements we'll be making with, by the time this is live, uh, is we're acquiring a company called Teston, which is based in Norway, uh, allows you to test in a couple of different languages that we don't yet support on our platform. So you know, I think that demand is going to continue to be there, especially as, more and more companies think about how are they going to focus on digital means of communications and connecting with their customers and kind of this new model. Um, We think that demand is just going to push us forward.
0: Um, How did you find, so if someone's listening right now going, you know what, I'm in Andy's space, Nathan, I can't believe you got him on the show. You know, you know, I don't know how I'm going to make it through this, but I've got 4 million bucks in ARR. I think it might be something Andy wants. I'm bootstrapped. I'm a sole decision maker. How are you thinking about what companies to acquire if you go do a bunch of acquisitions?
1: yeah I mean I, it's always interesting when people reach out, and I think sometimes there can be some serendipity in that, but I'm a little bit more of a of a shopper than a buyer I mean, I think you know we lay out a strategy and think about where do we want to go, what makes sense for us, what things are our customers in the market asking for from us then we do a buy build partner around those and think about how to go service that need as best we can you know m a sounds easy the day you announce it it's hard work and it, you need to be thoughtful about it and you, you think about you're not just impacting your own customer base and, and your strategy for your own platform. You inherit and, and now the stewards of another customer base that you need to take equally good care of and make sure that there's a good path forward for them. And so I think, um, you know, it's something that we'll continue to be deliberate about and we'll do it when it matches a strategy that we're laying out and what our customers are asking us for more. So than you know, seeing something that looks as a, de- you know, we're not buying depressed assets and beefing up a balance sheet or financial engineering growth in the company. We're really focused on what do our customers need the solution to do? How do we buy, build, and partner to make that happen for them?
0: Yeah, okay. Let me, let me give you some real examples here. Um, let's say that you know, because you've run surveys across your user base, that you could pretty effectively upsell a product that allows people to launch surveys right? Uh, SurveyMonkey is too big. You've done the sprint analysis with your CTO. You know, it would take you about six months to build your own product internally. Let's say there was a company uh, like Questions Pro, right? 30 million top line, 4 million EBITDA. Vivek has basically bootstrapped the company. Uh, Like, is now the time to pull the trigger more aggressively, like for you to put your seller's hat on even more aggressively?
1: I think now's the time where deals will happen in some of those cases. But you know, from our perspective, a lot of it still goes back to that. What are we creating in the market? I mean, some of the companies you mentioned like SurveyMonkey or Qualtrics, they're great partners of ours. We spend a lot of time going to market with them. A lot of our customers are looking to really deploy com- enterprise class tools to go engage with customers. And so, you know, again, every acquisition is sometimes stepping into a partnership area as well, where maybe partnering is what the customer really wants. And so mm-hmm. I don't think about how do I just collect a small amount of that revenue from my balance sheet? I think about what makes sense for our customer base. How do we over time build a lot of value for them? And very often that's playing in ecosystems, not just buying them up. So yep. um, it could be, I mean, and there are, you know, I'm picking on your specific example. I don't mean to, to dive into you know, the I wanted, market. I want to do that but, on
0: purpose. Yeah,
1: yeah. But, but there are, um, you know, there are sometimes things you look at and think, hey, our customers really do want us to go do this next thing. International expansion is a good example of that for us. And we will look at, you know, in some cases we'll, build features that help us go do that. And in some cases, you know, we might acquire those. Mm
0: -hmm. Mm -hmm. Has there, have you, I doubt heads of corporate BD are thinking about this right now, but if they are sitting on a pile of cash, they've been waiting to invest. They might come look at companies like you and say, maybe Andy's feeling the pressure. Maybe I can get him at something under a 20 X forward looking revenue multiple. Let me open that conversation. Now, have you gotten emails like that? And if so, how do you respond? I think the
1: companies that we would probably get those kind of emails from, we already spent plenty of time with and have strategic partnerships and go to markets around. Um, I think they're pretty excited about the way we're building the business. You know, raising a funding round is, is not a typically a near term exit strategy. Uh, so, you know, I think we're in this for, for the foreseeable future. I think, I mean, our management team, our board, our investors, our employee base, I think we see a lot of opportunity for us to go continue to build the business, but I don't think, um, you know, at the size and scale we're at, I don't think those people kind of emerge from the shadows in a time like this. I think they're the people you already know and you're already doing a lot of business with.
0: Yeah. Last two questions. Um. Again, you're you're obviously not going to have issues covering your burn through a time of crisis because you just raised so much money. But prior to the raise and prior to the crisis, when you looked at what you're burning per month, I mean, were you comfortable burning million, two million per month as you invested in growth?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Okay. And that's probably right somewhere in that window is probably right about where we were. Um, but again, on our CAC payback and all that kind of stuff, it's a it's a good investment to be... To be going and acquiring customers at the rate we've been acquiring them, and will
0: do you you know with the funding raise and with everything being cheaper, right? Will you double down on that burn rate? Are you comfortable going up three, four million even in a crisis?
1: Well, what we don't do is just throw people in the into the field. I know this is something that happens often when people lay, raise late stage venture rounds. It's like, well, let's just double the sales team and hope for the best, and then yep. we'll fire half of them that don't make it. I mean, that's just not really our mo at user testing. What we do is we pretty meticulously manage and measure our pipeline. We saw massive pipeline growth last year. Our pipeline was up 75% year over year. So, Mm -hmm. you know, we look at something like that and we think, okay, I've got capacity to hire reps and, you know, feed them with, with leads. So we'll keep doing some of that. But um, again, it goes back to things like investing in the product. Um, We're doing, we acquired a company six months ago called Truth Lab, which is about doing uh, AI video processing. So we're processing the videos that uh, people do on our platform and using machine learning to help our insights come out more quickly. So we're making investments in the product. We'll be making investments in international expansion. We'll do all of those kind of based on leading indicators where I'm confident that I can grow the business comfortably and not just you know throw money at hope and, uh, and hope ARR comes at the end of it. That's just not a solid strategy.
0: Have you had a quarter yet where net new bookings passed that 10 million mark? Yes. yes oh, very, the, just, that just happened last quarter?
1: Did that in, uh, in Q4 and we'll probably do that again in Q1. Uh, we'll see an interesting quarter right now, obviously. Very. But, um, uh, so far, you know, we, we've seen a mix. We've seen some people who are, you know, holding their budgets a little tight and saying, maybe we'll buy next quarter. And so, you know, you get some deal slippage, but at the same time, as I said, we've seen this demand where we have customers calling us up and saying, we had a bunch of stuff we were going to do in person events. And we want to move all of that onto your platform so we can yep. connected with our customers. So it's. We'll much see. Balanced out for us at this point. We'll, we'll see, see what exactly.
0: happens. Last question: uh, IPOs. A lot of people are looking at direct listings. You can't really have this conversation or even think about it until you're at 80, 90, 100, 120 million bucks in ARR, and you know Zoom's case, three hundred million in ARR. Um, how do you think about the public markets?
1: Uh, I'm a huge fan of the public markets. I think um, it's a great way for for companies to create value overall in the world. I think most great brands are public companies, so I love the idea of being a public company at some point. But I don't think it's in the near term for us having just raised that round. I would think um, you know we've got 24, 36 months or something before we'll get real serious about thinking about that.
0: All right, Andy, let's wrap up with the famous five. Number one, favorite business book?
1: Favorite business book is The Goal by Eli Goldrath.
0: Number two, is there a CEO you're following or studying?
1: I'm a huge fan of Eric Yuan right now at Zoom. He's
0: amazing. Yep. Yep. Number three, what's your favorite online tool for building your company?
1: Uh, I live and die in Google. So I, I'm a big Gmail, Google assistant, everything.
0: Number four, how many hours of sleep do you get every night?
1: Uh, I do seven hours a night.
0: That's great. And situation, married, single kids?
1: Uh, I've got a wife and three kids, two boys, 11 and eight, and a three-year-old little girl. And they're all at home right now as we're sheltering in place. So I'm mean, going well to say,
0: know, been, we got this whole yeah. interview and there was no screaming, no doors opening, yeah. no daddy, daddy. So that's a, that's a win.
1: Yeah. I'm actually in the garage working on a ping pong table in front of a green screen. So, you know, we're all, we're all making it
0: work. (laughs) Wait, can you tilt your camera so we can see? I certainly
1: can. Look, I got some, uh, some hockey sticks and stuff over there and there's a baseball bag.
0: (laughs) That Uh, is so cool. Absolutely, I love that. All right. And how old are you, Andy? Uh, I'm 42. Last question. What do you wish your 20 year old self knew?
1: Uh, I wish my 20 year old self knew to, uh, probably focus as much on relationships as gathering knowledge. I think uh, at this point in my life, I've realized it's all about the people.
0: Mm-hmm. Guys, there you have it. User testing, time of crisis, interesting place, $100 million just raised. Andy, congratulations there. But not only that, just on raising, they're also driving real revenue growth. In fact, they're growing more year over year than they were on smaller numbers. So call it 60, 70 million bucks in ARR, call it 18-ish months ago, now breaking past 80, 85-ish million in ARR, hoping to pass that $100 million mark on the next call it two to three quarters. We'll see what happens there. Again, serving, this is great, serving over 3,500 customers who are now doing, you know, potentially way more digitally in a time where you can't meet face to face face. Economics look super healthy, right? 14% gross revenue term annually, more than that in terms of expansion, so greater than 100% net revenue retention as looking to continue to scale their team of 500 folks, 80 engineers, 55 sales reps. Andy, thanks for taking us to the top.
1: Thank you so much. Enjoyed it.